guys, welcome back to the latest thread. Uh, today's episode, we are doing a mixed bag question. Um, lots of little questions in the groups that there's not necessarily enough answers to create a, an entire episode. So we're going to do a bunch of little questions. So um, I guess we'll get started. And uh, Sharon's going to share the screen so that we can all see the questions. Yes. Okay, so this one was a dual, same problem, two different people, um, Tamara or Tamara, depending on how she says it. <laughs> uh, I don't understand why my gamel is intermittently having stitching problems on the back. Most of the time, it's just fine. And also, Colleen, new owner of a used machine, started off great with my first row, then ended up with this. Help. Thanks in advance. So um, this is just your top thread slipping. For real, out of your tension discs. <laughs> um, easiest way to fix that, if you're using a really thin thread, is just wrap it twice around your thread brake sensor. That will help a lot to keep it inside of your tension discs. Also, if you change your bobbin or pull your thread, you might want to snug it up in there a little bit. Yeah, I think that usually I notice it the most. If it happens to me, it's usually when I've like, changed thread color or something and I pulled it through and it just didn't go through the disc right yeah. or something. Yep, that just happens to me quite a bit because, you know, but you can feel it, you know, if you don't think to look, you can feel it because it doesn't pull through the same if it's mm -hmm. not in between those discs. Yeah. yeah, if you get into the habit of, like, even if you, if you have a thread break, even if it's just not a bobbin, uh, running out or a thread color change but if your thread snaps sometimes it kind of jumps back up and will pop out of place on the um, check spring assembly mm -hmm. the first thing I do when some, I have to change something is I double check that that path is correct because that's usually what the culprit is I'll, when I'm using thin threads a lot of times I will I'll just every time I do something whether it's a start and stop anytime that that thread moves I'll just pull on it and make sure it's snugged up through those discs mm -hmm. yeah. it definitely can be frustrating oh yeah but, but the good news it is at least when it does happen and you know how to fix it these stitches pull out quite easily <laughs> oh, so yeah. that's the good news <laughs> Good news that you're ripping faster. Yep. <laughs> Maybe it would be a good thing to mention. Did you guys see that this week there was a couple of questions on the thread brake sensor um, that it wasn't going off and the machine kept stitching? Because oh, on the Statler page. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can't remember which one, but somebody had commented that, um, and, and the, the thread brake sensor operates the same way, but... Um, with the Statler, you can adjust your sensitivity. Maybe with the Elevate, you can too. I'm not sure. You can adjust your sensitivity. Um, but what happens is there was some confusion with people saying, well, there's no bobbin sensor to know when the bobbin runs out. So how is that possible? And <clears throat> it's if for, for people that don't know, it's just because that if your top thread, um, if your bobbin is not got thread in it anymore, you're not making a stitch anymore, right? So it's not then going around the thread brake sensor, which means that it doesn't turn, which means the sensor goes off. Yeah. And mine's, so, I always keep mine turned off. Yeah, I silence yeah. all alerts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> I've accidentally, instead of saying, okay, I would say cancel or something by accident, and then it would never show me again. 
I've pushed that button and then I'd be like, why isn't my thread brake sensor working? Oh, because I turned it off. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of the ones that just walks back in and goes, oh, look, you stitched without thread. Stitched the whole row. <laughs> yeah. You want me to move on? Yeah, I think one? we covered this, yeah. Okay, so Jackie posted, I just discovered the purple light option on my Vision 2. Does anyone use this feature and for what function? I am struggling with proper lighting when the thread matches perfectly to the fabric. Suggestions, please. Um, yeah, that's it's actually called the black light. And I, I use mine a lot. <laughs> and not just for white on white. Sometimes it's just a really weird print. And if you flip it to your black light, you can suddenly see exactly what you're quilting. Yeah. Sometimes just shut all your lights out and quilt by shadow, which is what I'm doing on this quilt. Yeah. You quilt a lot at nighttime, right? I do. Yeah. Like I, do. I don't find it's as effective if you've got all the lights on in your room around you. So you got to kind of turn everything off. Everything off. Close your blinds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That works. I use it sometimes I just, a lot of times I totally forget about it. And then I remember and it's like, oh my gosh, why didn't you use that the whole time? So cool. Well, that's on the plus, it wasn't as easy to use your black light because you had to right. you know, un unscrew your fluorescent tube, then screw in your black light fluorescent tube. So yeah, but with the Vision 2, I use it a lot. I very rarely use it. I'm like Jody. I because I'm not in the habit of using it. I forget that it's there, but sometimes I now turn it on because it your stitching looks totally different just to look at it when you turn that black light on. So it's just and fun if you if you have the vivid the vivid lighting system. Mm -hmm. The bar across the back goes to black light too, so you can like totally illuminate everything on the quilt in black light. That would probably help if you can't <clears throat> make your room totally dark. Yeah. 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 Sorry guys, you just gotta start quilting at nighttime. <laughs> <laughs> when everybody else goes to sleep. All right, Penny posted. Wearing up backing, I think I'd rather get a pelvic exam. That being said, how do y'all do it? I have started using my machine to lay the fabric on, then fold to get straight edge, then fold again and go to the back of the machine and pull it on the table, carefully smooth out and cut. How do y'all square up? I, I do the lazy load, so it's it's square when it lands. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm, if you don't know what the lazy load is, you should have taken the tour. <laughs> I was going to say, we have a great video as part of the Quilting with Confidence tour yeah. from last year. Um, In the Fabulous Fixes class, we, there's a whole section on this. And I also believe that Sharon Blackmore, she did a Facebook Live on this topic. And so if you want to go to Gamma Facebook uh, page, you can find the video there as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to, you'd have to scroll way back. It's the very, it was the very first Facebook Live that we did. Yep. And um, there's actually two parts to it. So there's one starting with what Penny's asking about using the table as kind of an extra set of hands to, to actually square the fabric. And then, um, 
a second part to actually attach it to the leaders and then and, and watch it roll up and square itself but um there's a lot of times if i don't have i have the option to leave my salvage on because we know that's a straight edge to begin with right so if you load it that way with the salvage edge you know you're starting with the square edge you don't have to go through that whole exercise of squaring it it's it's when that somebody has brought you a quilt and their backing has been trimmed like the salvage is gone mm -hmm. yeah i do the fold in half like that but i don't use it i don't do it on the machine you don't really have to be as careful as you think if you get one end square and i just hold the two and do the shift thing on one end yeah. And if you get one end good, then I cut it and I just hold it and inch my way down to the other end. And I've always done it that way. And I've never had it go on, you know, not square, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is, I think we, everybody overthinks that I do anyway, you think you have to do way more than that's necessary. Yeah. If you just get that one end square and that's the one you start with then. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't recommend, I know a lot of people like to rip because they think that if you rip it, it's straight. Well, sure, you rip the straight line, but if the fabric's not been washed, you could rip both sides and you could have like a fabric that's shaped like that because it's, you know, all those chemicals and all that stuff that's in it, it went on the bolt and then who knows how long it was on the bolt that, you know, and then it's kind of stuck in this, I don't know, angled shape. Yeah. But, um, sorry, I just wanted to add, you know, it. you should square up your fabric because if you ever have loaded a fabric, uh, a backing that's not square, you know, you want to take the easy way out and load it anyhow, knowing that it's not square once you roll it, you know, it, you have sagging ends and you know you're just asking for trouble yeah and then you get a piece a bunch of pieced backings in there um people put a row of blocks beside a big plain piece and then the tension on the fabric is different from the piece row to the plain row mm -hmm. the more piecing there is the more challenging it gets yeah yeah that's why we love extra wide backings <laughs> yeah Mm -hmm. Always. Definitely. <laughs> Except when they have a, you know, 45 inch wide wall hanging and they send 120 inch wide <laughs> backing. It's like, oh my gosh. What? <laughs> Better to have too much than not enough. I guess. <laughs> that's a lot to deal with. A load fee with that. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good on that one now? Everybody? Yeah? Okay, so Paula wrote, I know gamel bobbins are recommended, but if I want to use pre-wounds, what seems to work best? Super bobs with the little cardboard sides or the kind that don't have them like the MagnaGlide, and which ones do I take the backlash spring out for? I, I yeah, I used pre-wounds for a while and it gets expensive. <laughs> That's the easiest way I can say is it gets expensive to if you're matchy matchy with your colors, like I have to have the same threads top and bottom. So if you, if you're matching your color exactly, pre-wounds get more expensive. But um, yes, you take the cardboard sides off most definitely. And with the magna glides, it actually has a 
a little magnet and that's what you pop out the backlash spring for because otherwise if the magnet is stuck on the backlash spring it defeats the purpose of the backlash spring because it can't do its little bounce. I personally have never tried the ones with the cardboard, so I can't comment on that. However, I have used the magnet glide um, ones with the magnet. And um, I thought at the time it was an economical um, good thing because I bought them by the gross. And I did like the fact because it was so thin that you didn't necessarily have to match the thread color to the backing because it literally just took on the color of the fabric. Um, in regards to tension, and yes, I did take out the backlash spring for that, but I stopped using them because the thread is so thin and you didn't get the same definition. It didn't look as pretty on the back than if you use, you know, your matching thread. So, I mean, mechanically, I didn't have issues with tension, so they were great. Um, but I do prefer the other look. We used MagnaGlide for a couple of years. And <clears throat> yeah, they're a little bit more expensive, but then I was like, well, if I have to sit and wind bobbins, how much is my time worth? So I kind of felt like it was a bit of a wash. Um, and we didn't have a ton of tension problems, but every once in a while there would be something unexplainable that would happen. It would be like, why all of a sudden I didn't change my bobbin, like in that post that we started with, that um, it could be the culprit of a, a top thread because of a bobbin change. And just inexplicable tension problems and having to take a quilt off and pick it out and time is money, right? So um, we switched back to winding our own bobbins using the same thread, um, but winding our own and huge difference uh, mm -hmm. and using the toe gauge. Yeah. Make sure that that the tension's consistent yeah. on the bob because we did have problems where it was like the row starts good. And then at the end, it wasn't as bad as that first picture, but we, we would see things change as the bobbin started to empty. There's adhesive in there too, isn't there in the pre-wound? Yeah. Yeah, they have to make it stick to the thread to stay mm -hmm. because there's nothing holding that thread together on the bobbin. Yeah. So, but but for those of those of you, because I did buy them in the bulk boxes, like you were saying, Ava, when you buy them in the big, <clears throat> it was like a hundred at a time. Um, for those people that are using them, I have a little tip. I used to put uh, like take the large mason jars with the metal lid, and I would dump all my bobbins inside of that. And then if I had a bobbin that wasn't completely empty, instead of throwing it in the jar to get all mangled and messed with the rest of them, I would just stick it on the top of the metal lid, magnet side down, it would stick to the top. So you'd always be able to grab the bobbin that you needed to use up instead of making a big mess in your, and the jars look really pretty on my, so I miss that, but I don't miss having tension problems that I can't account for. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was more valuable. I only used them a couple of times, but same kind of like Karen, I, I like it to match. I'm not, I don't like the idea of it should blend because if it doesn't, then, you know, so I, I tried them a couple of times, but I just prefer to wind my own. Um, 
and lately I've been using the superior micro quilter mm -hmm. because they have more colors, you know, than just cream or tan or whatever. So I can kind of match most things with something very close on the back. And I don't want to have to change my bobbin. <laughs> so that's. Okay, I think this is a good point for our break. And um, enjoy what there is to watch and we'll be back in a minute or so. So we all hear that a lot. Why when you're starting and stopping, you might get a bird's nest on the back. So I think we should all share how we do that. Perfect. There's three of us. Yeah. We all have different ways of doing it. Yes, we do. Right? Okay, so Ava, go ahead. So for me, the one most important thing is that I need to bring up my bobbin thread because now I can hold on to both tails. And I like to rest my finger against the foot because now as I do my single stitches, and they're usually you know, the same stitch length than what I'm going to use in my quilting, and I just do three or four, and I can tuck. And if you listen really closely at home, you can, as you tuck, can feel that knot go in between your layers of fabric and the batting, and then you can go ahead and get started with your quilting. And now you can trim your threads, and that's my way of doing it. All right, so I'm going to bring up my bobbin thread. I don't let go of either one. I hold my bobbin thread and my top thread. I leave my finger next to the foot just so that I stay right on that hole. I take two little stitches, a little half stitch to the right. I pull my threads out. Let me move my hand. Pull my threads out to the side and take one more stitch, and then I'm ready to go. Okay, so when I um, start, what I like to do, of course, I'm going to I put my finger here to be sure that I keep um, the needle positioned exactly where I want it. I'm going to bring out my bobbin thread. I want to hold on to it. And generally, I will go either one stitch behind or one stitch forward. It just depends which direction I'm going to stitch. And I'll take one teeny tiny, you know, it's not far from the initial where I brought the thread up. Another one, I go back onto that one. And I like to do, um, hit my start button to let it actually start go start stitching and put the needle down so I know that now I can let go I like to quilt with both hands on the machine and now I would start and do my stitching whatever I'm gonna do and so when I get over here and I'm ready to stop what I like to do is just stop and I generally will take like maybe one, I go back maybe one stitch and take a stitch, maybe one, two, three. And what I actually want to do is I'm letting it actually make a knot so that when I pull away and bring my bobbin thread up and then I pull actually, I tug on this as hard as I can, it actually will pop that knot into the center as if you were a hand quilter where you pull your knot in and I pull it up I mean, I'm actually lifting the fabric and then I'll snip it flush. And then you're, you know, usually if you go like this, it'll go in. One other thing I think that's 
um, that I think a lot about when I'm planning my stitching is where I want to start and stop. Because it's very easy to kind of hide your starts and stops. You know, if you're doing a quilt where you have some busy fill work around a design, you then can kind of plan where you're going to hide it, I guess. Um, I'm not someone, you know, if on competition quilts, you could tie off and pull in your knots. I personally don't do that. Um, I prefer to kind of be creative and figure out where it is that I'm going to hide my starts and stops. Um, and the other thing, too, um, that I find helpful, you know, sometimes when you're a new quilter and you find you get those bird's nests on the back, when you start, sometimes when you stop, I find that when I was new, it mostly was when I started. When you take your first initial stitches, you want to make sure that you can't, your bobbin thread is not able to be pulled. If, if when you start, you take a couple of stitches, if you try to pull on that bobbin thread you've brought up and it moves, it's really not knotted. And that, I find, has the ability to cause a nice bird's nest on the back. So if I take a couple of stitches and I can still pull that, I'll take one stitch more maybe until I can feel that these won't move and then I start and it will make a nice smooth start for me. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that little break. And we're on to our um, last question, which is from Kath. Uh, me again. I want to use the channel lock horizontal and vertical to base the quilt, but the lowest the stitch count will go is eight. Is there a different way to do it? Gamel Classic Plus, 20 plus years old. Thank you in advance. Everyone is so helpful. Well, I love basting on my Classic Plus because if you just hold down your single stitch and move, it just keeps taking a single stitch. So the slower you move, the closer they are together, the faster you move, the further apart they are. It's, yeah, I love this. Just get into a little rhythm with it, mm -hmm. right? The Classic Plus, mm-hmm. So, yeah, not, not on your... Not on your start and go, because eight is the slowest you can go, but it based amazingly in single stitch. Well, an eight, eight isn't bad, because if you just move kind of fast, it's going to make the stitches way too big. Yeah. Too. So my old machine didn't even have a one stitch, so I never based it, because clearly it would require turning the hand wheel for every single stitch. Oh, wow. And that's good oh. for about six. So, <laughs> you know. I would just turn it at a really low speed and go fast. Not too fast, obviously, because then it'll... Oh, yeah, well, she could do that in, in manual mode, too, right? Yeah, you it could put it on a really low. low speed and just yeah. go move fast. That's how I generally did it. I didn't go and regulate it. So, you know, you get into a rhythm, like you said, but in constant, you know... You just have to move and set it really slow and then move accordingly. I think that um, if you're just doing kind of like an overall based, but if you have to, if you have to manipulate your fabric or move your, like say you're basting the border and you want the border to be perfectly straight. Sometimes you have to move the fabric and I don't want that machine to stitch before I have the seam, the ditch right, right underneath the needle. And so if you need to be really precise, just use the single stitch button. Yeah. I know it's a little bit, but if you have the toggle to go up the single stitches, one push instead of two, if it's in the needle position, needle position in the toggle thing, then it's two, two pushes, right? 
If you have your needle down, it's right needle down. That's stitch. what it's called. Yeah, but if you toggle up to single stitch, then you can take your time and and get that fabric nice and even where you want it underneath. Because if you got your channel lock on, the only thing you can move back and forth is the fabric. Yeah. If you want that border or a row of locks or a row of sashing or something to be perfectly straight, then it gives you some time, and then you can place your stitch exactly where you want it. So, I have more than more than one option for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and aren't we all 20 plus years old? <laughs> the machine, too. <laughs> Not just oh, the machine's 20 plus. Yeah, I got that. I'm just trying to be funny. <laughs> How old are you? We're not going to say what we're really are. I'm just 20 plus. <laughs> <laughs> Me, too. 20 plus a few. <laughs> Many plus. 20 plus a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Well, there were some good questions, and I, I actually like this little mixed bag mashup because it's perfect for like attention issues because we're not focused for an hour on this one topic, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so now, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say it's something for everyone with a, with a bit of a, um, you know, an interest in there. Yeah. So now we're actually going to still share screen, but we're going to check into some of the resources that we talked about earlier the gamel videos and and the different lives how you get to those so Sharon will maneuver all that around okay so welcome back and as Karen said we're going to share some of the ways that you can find um, videos and extra help for some of the topics that we talked about and probably other topics that you want to explore as well so we are on the gamel website gamel.com and um, I know that Gamble's doing some updates to their website to make it um, even more user-friendly and better for users. So um, if your home screen when you go to Gamble.com doesn't look like this, you're going to want to find this navigation bar to figure out where you want to go. And really helpful education and support. There's a ton of stuff as you can see. And if we go to the video library, there is another box that pops up with lots of awesome information and way down at the bottom there is oh look the latest thread you guys can catch other episodes they're um, loading them into there so you can watch previous episodes and way at the bottom there is Facebook live so if we click on that then I'm gonna move our little box over here you can use this search field to type in some keywords to find what you're looking for. And um, I would think these are in chronological order, but it looks like they're just still starting to load them in. Well, it goes down this, on the left-hand side, Sharon. Oh, there we go. Mm -hmm. <coughs> look at all those topics. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow, that's a ton. Look at all. a lot of live videos. So there's one on, I saw a bobbin one, bobbins, <coughs> and there's a toa gauge. So that's applicable to one of the topics or a couple of the topics that we discussed today. I think I saw one on basting somewhere there too, even. Did you? Probably. Quilt backing tips. Um, I don't see basting, but there probably is a basting one. Uh, light up your quilting might have some information on lights as well as the black light. <coughs> Tension adjustments could be valuable. 
Um, that very first one, how to find a straighter grain on a large quilt back. Oh, look, base quilt layers to the canvas, another basting method. Mm -hmm. So there's a ton, literally a ton of stuff in there that you guys can just browse through. There's a lot. There's there's a lot. A, yeah, I didn't realize we had done so many and we're still doing them, right? We can also show them from the Facebook page. Since and if you look on the left-hand side here, depending on if you're on a Mac uh, or a PC, the page might look a little bit different, but if you can find the videos tab, look, there we are. <laughs> everywhere. We're everywhere. Um, yeah, there is. I love how the oh. videos stop on the most awful faces. You're like, <laughs> yes, they <laughs> do. What's going on with Jody there? She looks like she's dancing or something. <laughs> That's me. Dancing in front of her quilt. <laughs> so more than just uh, just the um, Facebook Live topics, there's all kinds of all kinds of stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Videos inside there. Oh, look, Michelle's upside down. Oh, I remember that day. Yep. <laughs> she was trying to get her camera turned the right yeah, way. That's the only bad thing about Facebook is you can't choose your thumbnail on the video. No. Yeah, yeah look, it's always just my body. <laughs> Karen. Okay, so this this could be a total episode about just making fun of the thumbnails that are on here. We can only make fun of ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, so as you can see, there's a just a huge part. And the little topics are right there. So you can see what's going on. So there's more than one way to find what you need for help. Yes. So what else do we want to share? Um, should we share it, right? the education site one more time? Yeah, <laughs> let's share that education site one more time. So if we go back to education and support, online education, uh, I know from insider info that we have been working on some new classes. So you want to keep looking back to see what's been added. We've got some good new classes. You can browse a little bit of information on exactly how to. So if you're stuck on navigating in this part, you've got a, another video for that. Classes, the educator consult, those have been going really well. Uh, I think we've got some good feedback from people that have had some one-on-one -on -one time with an educator and uh, it's just, it would just be like this. It would be like a Zoom meeting, right? Yeah, it was just, but it would be as you and the educator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's literally one-on-one -on -one to get some questions answered and things like that. And then um, last year's tour, which Ava mentioned, has some really good information in all of the classes, but specifically we talked about the Fabulous Fixes classes class, which talks about loading and other things that basting. Mm -hmm. Covered, covered all things. the weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's at your fingertips, guys. Yes. Literally. Ton of, ton of stuff there. So. And in multiple places. <laughs> and in multiple places. That's a good thing. Right? Because some people don't have the same... Facebook screen, like I said, if you've got a, uh, if you're on a Mac, it's going to look totally different, or if you're on iPad or your phone. Well, even with Facebook, Facebook updates, they roll them out in tiers. Mm -hmm. So this group of people will have the update, but this group of people still has the other Facebook. So it, it, it I wish I still had the other Facebook. <laughs> yeah, 
I'm right there with you on that. <laughs> they have a little couple glitches in the new Facebook that I'm not real thrilled with. But okay, so um, thank you for sharing your screen sharing. You're welcome. So that was a lot of fun. And um, so I hope you guys go in and check out all those different resources that Gamble has for you. And in the meantime, we'll see you again next time. Take care. Bye. Bye.